I want to thank uh, your pastors for allowing me and sharing this uh, stand behind this um, sacred desk to proclaim God's word to you today. Uh, this is my second time preaching in English uh, since I've been here in, in the States. Uh, so please bear with me uh, because um, where I live, I speak Russian, so Russian is my first language and English is my second. And so Sunday by Sunday, I preach in Russian. So for your sake, I learned English <laughs> so I can deliver the word for you. Okay, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father of grace, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We're so thankful for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and lived perfect life and gave his life for us so that in him we can have life. Thank you for your word, your holy word, that you chose, you speak to us through your word and you serve us through your word. So I pray that you will, by your spirit, you speak through me and you will be glorified. Honor and glorify your son. In his name I pray, amen. Open with me the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. We're going to be focusing on the third parable in that chapter. First he talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin, but now he's going to talk about, uh, about the prodigal son. So let me read the text and we will dive in, okay? And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to, him, to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And then he had spent everything, and when he had spent everything, several famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out, one of the citizens of that country, that, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pots that, he, that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'm perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me, one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, 
Bring quickly the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring a fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older, older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things mean. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he was received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entered him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, he, but when the son of yours came, who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, he is found. This morning we are going to look at the most well-known and will love parables of Jesus' teachings. Traditionally, this parable called the prodigal of uh, the parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal means to spend money or resources freely and recklessly, which describes a younger son really well in this parable. And that's why many know this parable at the, part, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. My sermon today is not titled the, prodigal, uh, the parable of the prodigal son, but rather two sons and gracious father. I think so many times we miss the point in the parable by focusing only on the rebellion son. But this is a parable of contrast between two sons and not just one. Look with me at verse 1 and 2 of this chapter. We see uh, the contrast tax collectors and sinners versus Pharisees and scribes. When Jesus is addressing both groups, when tax collectors and sinners draw near to him, but the religious leaders are greatly offended by the way Jesus was mercifully welcoming these sinners. That's why in our text, in verse 11, we see the contrast. There was a man had two sons. I think the whole world, apart from Christ, by a large, can be placed in these two camps in terms how we relate to God. We can see different words to identify these two camps. For example, worldly, religious, secular, legalistic, liberal, conservative, progressive versus traditional, CNN versus Fox News. 
This is about how we as individuals seek to relate to our Heavenly Father. But apart from Christ, we all tend to relate to God in one of these two ways, worldly or religious. So Jesus in our parable this morning is calling both groups to entirely different ways to relate to our heavenly, uh, to our Father in heaven. So let's consider these two sons and their response to their gracious father. Let's look to the younger son. The younger son who is worldly and rebellious. Verses 12 through 24. This younger son is living under the authority of his father and he hates every minute of it. He feels limited and probably bored and he just wants to get away out of under authority of his father. So what does he, uh, what he does is he goes to his father and asks for his portion of inheritance. What's interesting is that inheritance was distributed upon the death of the father. So for the son to come and ask for his portion of inheritance now was for all practical purposes to say, I wish you were dead. I wish you were no longer part of my life. I don't want to be under your authority and under your care. I no longer want to be part of your family. I just want your money. I just want to be what you can provide for me. I just want to seek out my own desires. This is very disrespectful and dishonoring to the father. But the father agrees and he gives the inheritance to the younger son. It can be some, can be some property, the land, or an animals. And the younger son goes and converts all of that into, into the cash and puts it in this, into the sack so that he can go on his way. He goes to the dis, uh, distant country, casting out all their responsibilities under his father's authority. And he finally free, feels free. We read that he squandered his property in reckless living. Down in verse 30 tells us that he spends it on prostitutes. It was immortal, unwise. His sinful choices had left him with nothing. His recklessness met with additional difficulties when famine hit the land. So now he has nothing and there is famine in the land. Just imagine that. And seems to, and later it seems he does a good thing. He finds a job. Then we discover that the job he took was feeding pigs. And those animals are unclean in the Jewish sense of the word. So the younger son now reached to the lowest depths that his Jew could reach. And he works for Gentile, 
feeding unclean animals. Later we see that he was so hungry that he was longing to eat pig's food. This is how desperate he became. But there was no one to help him. So this younger son, through his sinful rebellion and rejection of his father, he hit rock bottom. Then we reach to the turning, uh, turning point in verse 17. But before we go there, let me say to those who are here, or maybe now some of you live like a younger son by pursuing freedom in a sinful way against God and against his laws over your lives. Maybe you think it will bring you joy or happiness. Let's learn from this. The promises that sin offers us through pornography, through sexual immorality, and through material luxury, they are fleeting promises. These false promises will never satisfy you. Those promises are a lie. If you think they will bring freedom and joy, they won't. Because it's a lie. Instead, they bring enslavement, emptiness, and regret. So this is how younger son felt after believing these promises of his sinful rebellion. But thankfully, that's not where Jesus leaves the younger son in the story. He is also will not leave you either if you turn to him in faith. So we saw younger son's rebellion, and now we will see his repentance. He comes to himself. He comes to his senses. He sees his life and reality around him what, for what really is. He has been deceived, and he wakes up, and he recognizes the desperate situation he is in. What does he remember when he wakes up? He remembers his father. He's not sitting in a pigsty remembering prostitutes or wishing that he had wealth again to spend it on his reckless living. That's not what he remembers. That's not what he desires. But in his desperation, he remembers his father, his home, his father's care and provision. Even he remembers his hired servants in verse 17. They were the lowest class of workers. They were hired day by day, not the permanent ones. Even they had plenty of bread to eat. So he makes plan to return to his father. And the younger son here is just a beautiful picture to us what a biblical repentance looks like. So if you are in a pigsty right now, learn from this 
and learn from the younger son what true repentance looks like. He recognized his sin against heavenly father and against his earthly father. So what does he do? He owns it. No excuses at all. He simply says, I sinned against God and my father. And then he literally leaves behind his life of sin in order to return under his father's authority with humility, with empty hands to seek his father's gracious provision. That's the true repentance, brothers and sisters. In verse 20, he rose and came to his father. So what we saw, the younger son's rebellion, repentance, and now we will see his reception. Again, see with me verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Can you see father running? He gets he forgets all culture and properness and welcomes his younger son home and cannot wait to get his hands around him. Distinguished men in this culture, they did not run in order to expose their legs. That's what children do. But the father's excitement and his joy, he sees the son out of the distance and cannot wait to meet him in full of compassion and grace. He embraced him and kissed him. Now consider, Jesus is telling this parable to defend his own ministry of welcoming sinners, but he does so by displaying for us the heart of the heavenly father. Jesus is saying, do you know why my ministry, what it, what it is, and why I'm seeking the sinners and the lost? Because my father wants them. That's why father sent me. I am not here to convince the father. I'm here because of the father. And that's the heart of our heavenly father. The younger son began to declare his repentance to, to, the, to his father. And before he can even speak of his glad willingness to work as a servant, the father jumps in and doesn't let him finish. He puts his best rope on him. He puts the ring on his hand. He puts the shoes on his feet. Servants go barefoot but the sons wear shoes. And they, and, they were, and they were bringing fatting calf to feast and celebrate because his son was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, and now he is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the mercy and love and joy of our heavenly father, brothers, and sisters towards sinners who return to him in repentance and faith. 
The father does not hold his son's sin against him. He is not required to do good work to earn his way back into the family. He freely forgives and receives and restores a repentant rebel to the full status as a son. See what Psalm 103 says. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and bounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so for thus he removes our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So that was the youngest son. In verse 25, the scene shifts and we turn to the oldest son. The oldest son, verse 25 to 31, the, I call him the self-righteous son. The younger son had related to his father through his rebellion actions, and the older son had related to his son, to his father, through his self-righteousness. So in the end of the day, we find the older son where? In the field working hard and being faithful to accomplish his tasks. After, he, after his work, he's heading back home and he hears music. He hears a dancing. He hears festivities, party. And he wonders what this is all about. He asks one of his servants, what's going on here? And he and the servant explains, your your father, your your brother has returned, and your father has killed the fattened calf in celebration, and he's rejoicing that your brother now is back safe and sound. Then we see the older son's response in verse twenty-eight. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, this many years I have served you, and you never, uh, I, I have served you, and you, I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. As we try to understand the relationship of the older son to his father, I think it's actually a little bit more complicated than the younger son. That's the, high, uh, that's the thing about re uh, rebellion as opposed to self-righteousness. It is easy to judge the younger son's rebellion than the older son's self-righteousness. It's very clear what he 
it's very clear what the younger son did. And of course, he did a terrible things, and he needs to repent. But the older son seemingly has remained under his father's authority. He did not leave the family farm. He stayed with the father, and he was there faithfully, working hard for many years. If someone was looking from the outside at the older son, they will be able to tell that he lived a good and solid relationship with his father. But surprisingly, the father's gracious reception of the younger son, it brings to the surface that in the fact this older son is no, uh, no less lost in no less in need of the father's mercy than his younger rebellious brother. And this is the warning that Jesus gives to the Pharisees and to the scribes and to anyone who seeks to relate to God on the basis of their personal obedience or personal performance of their requirements. So how does the older self-righteous son's response to the father's gracious reception of the younger son? And what comes out of him? He comes with anger, with self-righteousness, a questioning of the father's wisdom and love. Why is that? Why he's Responding that way because the elder brother believed that his rights had been trampled down, that he was not getting what he deserved. In his own mind, he has fulfilled his obligations to his father. As a result, the father owned The older son is angry because the younger son is receiving undeserving blessings because blessings should only come to those who deserve them. Because he served his father for many years and that is why he is so angry. In his righteousness, in his self-righteousness, he feels better in comparison to his younger brother. I never disobeyed your command, he said, and yet my brother gave himself to the prostitutes. Am I not better than him? As a result of all of that, he doubts his father's love. He comes to conclusion that his father has been holding out on him as the older son deserves better than he has received. And ironically, what is revealed in all of this is that the older son initially wanted the same thing as the younger son. He just went about it in a different way. In, order, in other words, he did not want to delight in his relationship with his father. His father was a means to his own selfish gain. 
That's why he stayed, and that's why he worked hard. Instead of seeking his gain in rebellious ways like his younger brother, he sought, he sought it by his self-righteous duties to requirements of a son. That is the means to his desire end rather than resting and enjoying the love and provision of his gracious and wise father. The older son wanted to use his own performance to control his father and to get what he wants from him. And because of all of that, he began to act angry with accusations and with doubt. These are the symptoms of a lost, self-righteous man, equally as the older son lost as his younger brother. Because he was more blinded to his own need and his own lostness. We all need to be aware in our lives of our own symptoms of self-righteousness. So when we see God mercifully blessing people around us, do we feel better that he is not doing more for us? Do we find obedience to God burdensome? rather than joyful and freeing? If you recognize these things in your life in a fundamental way, you may need to ask yourself if you are truly Christian. If, if we fundamentally trusting in our own performance to get from God what, he, what we want from Him, that's not true Christianity then we need to examine ourselves if we are in the faith. If you recognize some of these things in your life, you may be still a Christian. Tim Keller puts it like this. There is a bigger uh, difference between being an elder brother and being a real gospel-believing Christian. But there are also many genuine Christians who are elderly brothers. So when we find ourselves as a genuine Christians and yet drifting toward being condemning, anxious, insecure, joyless, and angry, in this situation, what, what do we do? we return to the gospel and remind ourselves what God in uh, what God had done in Christ Jesus for us we hold fast to the truth of the gospel and not rely on our own performance believing that God will be faithful to us not because we were faithful to him And again, thankfully, in this parable, Jesus does not condemn the older brother in certain fate. The father graciously and kindly comes to his older son. We saw in verse 28, when the father goes out to him 
invites him to join the party. We see again in verse 31 and 32, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It is a kind of gracious appeal that the father makes to his son. And he must receive this appeal. An elder brother, he must not remain outside the feast because it is fitting and right to celebrate when lost sinners are found. This is the heart of our Heavenly Father. And the one who refuses to join in the celebration shows that he does not share in the heart of Heavenly Father. Notice here, we see the lack of parallel in the story between the younger son and the older son. And Jesus recounts for us the younger son's repentance and reception by the father. But the appeal of the older son is left unresolved. And it shows to us what the emphasis lies in Jesus' parable. It is its heart and open invitation to Pharisees and to the scribes and for all self-righteous men to come and join the Father in the Feast of the Redeemed, not the Feast of those who deserve his favor, but older brothers are invited to this Feast of the Redeemed. But it's not yet clear as Jesus speaks how they, the Pharisees will respond to this appeal. Many sinners are coming to Jesus. Remember in verse, in verse 1, uh, chapter 15, they were drawn near to him. And at this point, the Pharisees were grumbling. But in his mercy, Jesus does not go only to the rebellious, to the sinners, to the tax collectors. He goes to, to the self-righteous too. And he invites them to receive his mercy and to join the feast. And this invitation is offered to us as well. But there is the only way to enter to the feast. Not through rebellious life and not through self-righteous life. Ultimately, the way to enter to the same for the older son and for the younger son through the mercy of God. And, that's it. and that is where the third son comes in. You say the third son? I don't see a third son in this parable. But there is a third son who's telling this parable, right? That's Jesus. That's the perfect son. The righteous son who never rebelled against his father, who never disobeyed, dishonored the father. And yet, this third son comes to redeem through the rugged cross many sons and many daughters to himself. 
And he asked, and he telling this parable to those two sons, trust in me. I'm the perfect son. And you two sons, rebellious and religious, self-religious, you need me. And I think that's the point of this parable. Jesus is pointing to himself and he's saying, I'm the perfect son. I'm the third son in this parable. I'm telling this parable for your sake because we all relate to God. Even we rebelling against him or we living self-righteous life. And both of them lost. And so that's why the third son says, trust in me. Come, enjoy the feast. I invite you. And because of this third son, the father promises to bring us safely to the eternal feast of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Father, that you're so gracious toward us. We know we don't deserve it. Thank you for the third son who invites us through his cross, through his burial and resurrection to come to enjoy the feast of the redeemed. I pray for those who do not know you here. Some of them may be in pigsty and living in such a way that dishonors you and they think they pursue freedom like the younger son. I pray that you will challenge them and that you will show them your mercy by your spirit. Draw them to yourself. I pray for those who acting like elderly brother, self-righteously, thinking they, by their performance, they can get things from you instead of resting and enjoying the gospel. I pray that you, Father, you will bring those to you to yourself, to the third son, and they will rest in him, and they will recognize he's the only hope for their lives. So thank you, Father, for loving us, for giving your son to us. And everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Love you. And we want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Amen.